Good Tuesday morning, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com podcast with Austin Price and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubbs. And as always, the podcast brought to you by our good friends, Blue Water Climate Control. We can't thank them enough for their support of the site the last year or so. They've just been a great partner with us. And uh, be sure and check them out at BlueWaterClimateControl.com. I've been talking about that mini split uh, ductless unit that they've been offering. That special is continuing. It's not going to last much longer, though. For more on that, uh, including the financing options for qualified buyers, you can call them at 865-299-2290, or you can go online and get more details. You can also book an appointment for a free estimate as well. Also, they are partnered with Marshall's Cleaning Service to offer a duct cleaning service as well, which will help alleviate your allergies, sinus issues, uh, and many other things like that, taking excess dust off of your furniture and, and cleaning out the dust in your house in that duct unit. So you can find out more about that partnership they've got created there uh, to help uh, your unit become a more efficient unit, your home become a more comfortable home to live in. Find them at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. All right, guys, let's get into this thing here. Um, do we have to? Yeah, sure. Why not? On Monday, <laughs> Tennessee's athletics director, Danny White, was on the move and was in Atlanta and interviewed, um, we believe, a couple of candidates for sure, maybe more. We're not exactly sure, but he did spend uh, essentially all day in Atlanta on the business day. Later today, we think he's going to have some type of uh, conversation with Kevin Steele, a second conversation. The first one was not a job interview. Uh, the first conversation he had with Kevin Steele and my belief last Friday was just a lay of the land about the football team uh, before he went out or, or after he met with those guys. Uh, but this is be more of a about Kevin Steele type thing and where he might fit in this program or might not fit in this program. And if he's a factor for the head coaching job. Um, so that's where I am. Austin, Rob, where's the latest? What do you got? Well, I mean, you kind of gave us a good lay of the land. I mean, again, everybody took my our update or that I typed out, but it was a collaboration um you know last night and they, they they naturally just gravitate towards the names they don't like because they don't want those names on there i get it i, I totally get it sunny dykes is not a sexy hire my wife said who is sunny dykes i said imagine craig price walking to the podium craig would be my father you know, I, you know that that's hey, don't be knocking craig price like that but but, but my he's point great is American. you know it, he's just not going to move the needle sure, you know sure. no offense to my dad but if he walked to the podium he ain't moving the needle either <laughs> Well, so, I mean, but, like, go ahead. I, you know, I, I, we know that he, he's gotten interest from Tennessee. I know this from, you know, I've got this from multiple people, including, uh, you know, uh, the fact that, you know, Jim Levitt, who he is trying to hire as his defensive coordinator at SMU, has yet to receive his um, MOU and, and new uh, and contract as he hires him away from Willie Taggart and FAU because of the interest from Tennessee. So, you know, he, he's a, is how much of a factor is he? I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, again, you know, I director white, his sister is, is part of the AD down there at SMU. Is this kind of a favor to kind of help Sonny out or what is this? You know, I, nobody knows, but the point is, is nobody from ball quest is saying Sonny Dykes is the leader, the guy to beat any of that stuff. And I, he's had some interest. And I, and I shared this. I mean, you know, it might, I might have a different text in the morning, but I've, Share with you. I got a text from somebody that generally knows some things tonight that suggested the Sunny Dyke stuff was dead as of late Monday night. You know, you know that could turn out to be something entirely different tomorrow, but that, that's where I stand right now. I mean, I just, I just think it feels like, and that's that same Bobby person. You hero, you. That uh, the same person also indicated to me that the view on the street from the coaching industry was that this job was quote unquote toxic right now, and I think 
I mean, that makes sense to me. I mean, it, it, doesn't it feel like Tennessee's had some had some people say no either directly or when they put out feelers, they were you know were not reciprocated with yeah, man, I'd really be interested in sitting down at the table and talking with you. Yeah, I think they would have loved to have sat down at the table with a guy like Luke Fickle, and he just wasn't interested. Matt yeah. Campbell, you know, um, I mean, I, I do think, and that doesn't mean like they were offered the jobs, but I mean, they couldn't even get off the ground to have a conversation. You know, so thus, yeah, I mean, I'm with Rob. I mean, like, you know, this job wasn't super attractive three years ago. Now you're saying they're under an NCAA cloud. And the fact is, Tennessee can't tell these prospect or, you know, prospective coaches, hey, this is what we're definitely going to have be, you know, dealt with here. You're, you're going to be dealt this hand. They can't tell you what hand they're going to be dealt. And that's honestly a, a bit of an issue, I think. Yeah. And, and I think because of that, it's not a simple case of, of backing up a, a dump truck full of money and somebody's automatically coming, you know, I just, you know, the James Franklin situation, for example, I mean, he's in a, he's in a position where he's going to be making $7 million at, at Penn state. Um, so, I mean, what, what are you, are you going to pay James Franklin $9 million to get him to Tennessee, nine and a half million dollars to get him to Tennessee? Is well, he has a $5 million buyout. Yeah, I mean, is is that realistic? Plus, on top of that, again, you got the NCAA stuff, as as you mentioned. And, and does anybody want to walk into that? I think for young coaches, um, you know, I think young coaches are a little more. And this, I may be wrong on this. This is just my opinion. Feels like young coaches in football. It's been this way in basketball for a while because the mid major money has been so good in basketball that some guys have been willing to pass up on some jobs and stay at the mid major level. I think you have a couple of younger coaches who are at a smaller level that show up in every job search, but they're looking for perfection and they're not willing to make a move because they want something that quite frankly might not even be attainable. And, and I think a, a guy like Billy Napier factors into that, that group. He makes yeah, over no $2 million dollars a year at Louisiana, um, which is good money. He loves his AD there. And I, I think Robert feels like he's trying to look for the perfect job and I don't know if he's ever going to find exactly what he's looking for, but you keep hearing about he's got, you know, he's only coming if he gets all of these things that he wants, you know, and if that's Saban like control or whatever that is, but, but you're, you're not seeing guys run and jump to jobs the way you used to, because they're comfortable where they are and they're looking for a little bit more stability. And I think Billy Napier is definitely doing that, which is why I don't think he's a factor at all at Tennessee. I thought, Danny White might might make that a factor, but it doesn't feel like that's going to be the case right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the money's just you know so much different than it was ten years ago. I mean, if you're making two two million dollars a year, I mean, sure, making four or four point five is is a big jump, but it's not. I mean, how much is that really going to change your lifestyle? And when, like you say, their names are coming up every year. I mean, if you show a little patience, chances are you can land yourself in a much better situation than what you might find in Knoxville where they've gone through what you know, five coaches in a little over a decade. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I don't think any of us are saying that that Tennessee's bad or Tennessee's awful or nobody wants the job. I think there's just, you know, there's been hesitation about this job in the past because of the leadership. Okay. Uh, revolving door in the AD, but also revolving door with the chancellor and the president situation. That certainly seems more uh, solid than it's been in a long time. There's still plenty of things that they've all got to fix together. They've got a brand new AD. So from that standpoint, I think the job has some more attractiveness to it than it has had in previous coaching hires. 
but I think whatever attractiveness that comes from the fact that you've got newly established leaders in those roles that seem to be very pro-athletic, uh, particularly the chancellor and the president, that's negated by the fact you don't know what you're going to get from the NCAA. And Austin, as you mentioned, they just don't have an answer. I mean, they don't. You can't and, answer it. And if you're sitting there and you're James Franklin or whoever, you know, and you just, do you really go into a place where you don't know? Like, you know, okay, if you're, if you're at a place where you're miserable or if you're at a place that is just far inferior to Tennessee, maybe you do that. But if you're Penn State, you know, and I know they had a down year this past year, but, I mean, let's face it, he, he's won some games up there in his time. Does that make sense at all to, to, to go someplace where you don't know what could happen? You know, I mean, this the, the roster's already being, you know, um, depleted and pillaged right now. Um, then you throw in uh, any kind of bowl ban or scholarship production. Like to me, it's it's not the probation. Like they can say Tennessee's on four years probation. Yeah, whatever. How many year bowl ban do they have? How many scholarships do they lose? That's the thing that I think matters the most. It's everybody loves to throw out the word probation. Okay, but that doesn't really matter. I mean, like if I, you know, if I have a you know, you know, a probationary period on anything, like you know, as long as you keep your nose clean, you're fine. Like. The point is, is like, I just feel like that most of these coaches are unwilling to, especially if they have a, a, a good situation, no matter how much money Tennessee offers, it, it's going to have to just be somebody that just says, I want to do it. I want that. I want to be able to tackle that. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that's what Danny White basically stood up at the press conference on Friday and said, you know, I wanted, I wanted the opportunity. I wanted the opportunity to fix it. And the question is who, who wants that opportunity as a head coach? Does Tony Elliott want that job, Rob? Or that would, and, and I don't, Tennessee's not offered him that job, but would he want it if they offered him that job, you know, to be for, for Tennessee to be his first time as a head coach? Or does he sit there and go, hey, you know what? We're going to be good again next year. We're going to be on everybody's list next year. You know, I'm not real interested in that. He wasn't interested in Auburn, you know, and, and, and he's had a lot of opportunities where he's passed up on because he's been very select. Would he be interested in Tennessee? I mean, I think he has some interest. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, if they want to go that direction, is that going to is he automatically going to take the job? I don't know. I mean, I think yeah. you're going to have to answer some questions for him and give him some, you know, give him some promises that he's looking for. Well, and he works on a staff with a guy in Venables who's, you know, been in that same position and who's, you know, not pursued opportunities because, you know, it, either you know, he liked where he was or didn't want to go into a situation where he thought, you know, he wasn't set up to have success. Yeah. And I so, think whoever the, whoever they get, I mean, we've mentioned this before, but don't you think they're going to have to go the Matt rule Baylor route and offer some serious um, security in whether in, in form of a huge buyout or something like a seven year contract. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to have to be a longer contract because you just can't answer that question on what your penalties are going to be. And I think to negate that you have to look at, uh, potentially going a longer a longer number of years on the contract and, and be able to to change things you know and, and help your help yourself out that way if you're Tennessee we'll, we'll see if they elect to go that I, I think the bottom line for me Austin before we get into some roster stuff is I don't think anybody should sit here and say well I listen to the podcast and the Volquest guys are saying nobody will, nobody will take this job this is the worst job in America nobody's saying that what what I'm saying is there are challenges that Danny White's facing and talking. It's to not people. just as simple as throwing money at. Right, it's, it's not, not that simple. 
Right. That's the point. It's, you just don't if, back up the dump truck and that's it. If, if they fired Jeremy after A&M and there's no sanctions, then I do think it is as simple as back up the dump truck of cash. But the, this, the cloud that, you know, of uncertainty is the biggest reason why I think that there's pause, not just from James Franklin, but others. I mean, like, you know, I mean, and I mean, you know, I mean, other, other guys call around, you know, I mean, and I don't know if the Vol fans wanted P.J. Fleck, but, I mean, you don't think P.J. Fleck reached out to Greg Schiano, somebody who's really close with, and said, hey, what do you think about that? <laughs> Greg Schiano was like, and no. Yeah. Sonny Dykes reaches out to his good friend Dave Dorn. I know. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, they're, 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 there's always different layers to every candidate as to why they would not or would look at a job. You know, I, I threw it out there on the – on the GQ last night, you know, and it's something I've been waiting to kind of throw out there to, to everybody for a week or two now. Like, I mean, you know, it to me is a head scratching that Jamie Chadwell didn't at least give a call to at least talk to gauge interest. I mean, he is the AP national coach of the year. It's pretty easy sale to the fan base. The guys from here, again, part of his personal email has give him six in it. He named his kid after Heath Schuler. You know, he's taught his kids Rocky top. He's like the perfect candidate to me, to lead you through these kind of unsettling times if you're not going to go – if you're going to go you know, a different route because I think he genuinely would want to be here. And, you know, if he got a little bit of – you know, if he had a few bumps in the road, I don't think he'd look to jet for another job. You know, like somebody – they hire somebody and there's a couple of bumps in the road. You don't you think that person's going to be like, man, i got to get out of here. This, you know, this ain't, this ain't for me. And I think it's very possible. Yeah, I mean, I you know, and again, we'll see where this thing goes um, in the coming days. I know Tennessee wants to get get it done as quick as they can. How quick does that happen? We'll see. We'll be you know today. We'll spend the whole day chasing things down, just like we chased an airplane to State College, Pennsylvania, that uh, was about was was not about college football. It was about a corporation and and some home building. So <laughs> going to a plant up there. Uh, it, was about, it, was, it was about front. Pocket wallets. <laughs> <laughs> it was certainly not about uh, Tennessee's coaching search. All right, Austin, let's talk a little bit about the um, the roster here. We got Keyshawn Lawrence in the portal, out of the portal, heading to Oklahoma. J.J. Peterson's in the portal. Not a shock there. He wasn't coming back anyway. Um, it doesn't seem like Henry T is going to be a factor at Tennessee. Wanya Morris has gone to Oklahoma. Crouch is not coming back. I don't know where things are with Eric Gray. It doesn't seem like he's coming back either. Um, is I mean, are they about to the point where this thing is done until after spring, after the spring semester? Oh, yeah, it feels that way. It really does. Um, you know, I, I think that ultimately you're, you're going to get to the, to the Wednesday drop ad, and at that point everybody's locked in. Like Keyshawn had went to class, but because of not – because you could still drop ad, he was able to, you know, go ahead and drop and head off to Norman, Oklahoma. So, um, you know, Did that one I surprise mean, you? Uh, yes and no. Keyshawn, I mean, again, like this is not a knock on the kid, but again, at some point you have to quit being the 17 year old recruit and become the 19 year old who is, you know, you know, becoming a, you know, understanding that college football is a business. It's a business decision to go to Oklahoma. But then he also put out on Instagram him pictured in Ole Miss uniforms and Miami uniforms and 
Tennessee with a question mark uniforms. Again, like, much like Wanye. Like, to me, like, that's a bit of immaturity. You know, like, at some point you have to get past being the recruit and just be the player. And if you don't want to be here, that's his prerogative. That's why there is the transfer. That's why he's going to be headed off to Oklahoma. And, and, and he'll do fine there. I mean, I think to me, out of all the guys besides Henry – he is the biggest loss to Tennessee because Tennessee is not super deep in the secondary. I think it would have started next year if not been a major factor. So that, to me, this is a loss for Tennessee. Henry would be a loss for Tennessee. Crouch, you know, maybe over time he's going to be a really good player. But to me, he's not shown me enough, you know, playing linebacker for a couple of years to say, okay, that guy is, you know, a big loss for Tennessee. Wanye Morris, you know, is a body at tackle um, who's got a lot of upside, but again, has some growing up to do. You know, and maybe he'll get to do that in Norman, Oklahoma. Um, Darnell Wright, everybody wondered about Darnell. And here's why I never wavered. Because Darnell woke up Friday morning, or actually Thursday night last week, and got an email from UT saying, you have an outstanding balance. And, you know, if you don't, you know, pay, you know, the remaining balance, your, your classes will be dropped for spring semester. It was a mistake. But the kid felt like he had lost his scholarship. He got that corrected Friday morning. He was always good. He put this thing out on Monday, more tongue in cheek. You know, everybody else, I saw a bunch of media guys, they ran with it. And, oh, what a time. He was announcing the school that he, that he committed to or was playing for. It was more tongue in cheek. You don't understand Darnell's sense of humor. Like all these West Virginia people had wrote, all these blogs and all these sites had wrote and said that he was going to West Virginia. And it was just his way of just messing with them. So, um, you know, to me, that's a, that's good to get him back. He'll go through spring, and maybe he evaluates then. I think that was a smart move and would have been the smart move for any of these players is to go through spring and evaluate then. You don't think that Keyshawn Lawrence couldn't have went through spring, decided, okay, hey, it's not for me, and went to Oklahoma in the 1st of May and not started come September? I do. But then you just don't know, you know, who this coach is going to be, how you job with them. I think it would have been smart for any of these kids to take the long view and not do a rush decision. I'm interested to see where, where Gray goes. Memphis continues to be brought up to me. Texas, you know, uh, we'll see what happens with with uh, Eric Gray. Yeah, I think that was the advice a lot of these guys got was, hey, wait and see, um, give it a chance. And and obviously some guys just elected not to do that, you know, and, and, and that's their said, right and that's their prerogative for sure. It, it is. I said this on The Nation Sunday night. Jeremy Pruitt will want no credit for this. But I talked to multiple people in the building over there who said that Coach Pruitt really worked hard to tell these kids – to stay at Tennessee, to stay at Tennessee, go through spring and see who your new coach will be and then evaluate where you are and not make a knee-jerk reaction. The problem is that some of these kids just didn't listen. They chose to go on and, and, and go, their, you know, go their separate ways. And, Rob, Tennessee's got to find linebacker help. When you talk about losing Crouch, <laughs> I mean, Peterson wasn't going to be a factor, but talking about losing Crouch and, and Henry T in your inside linebacker world, you got to find a line. You got to find a middle linebacker in a hurry, just just for depth. So you got to get in the transfer portal and make something happen. Which, you know, even more difficult right now. I mean, I guess that's something you're gonna have to do, at, at, you know, after the spring semester. But yeah, I mean, you you can point to a lot of spots on the roster where you get question marks now, but none none bigger than that one. Yeah, no doubt. Austin, can they get Mike? Could, can Mike Jones end up here? And could he end up here? this fast or you think that's unrealistic uh, no i think it's realistic you know and, i mean it really makes sense if you think about tony elliott potentially being tennessee's head coach because there's a natural tie there but tennessee needs help at linebacker again he's from nashville and 
he's very close with the Mays family. So, like, I, I could totally see him ending up here. Now, we'll see if, you know, with the decision he makes, maybe he's kind of scared off by the fact that, you know, Tennessee may not be able to play in bowl games and stuff like that, and he's just playing in the college football playoff or at least being a part of a team that would. But I think from a purely football business decision, it makes the most sense because quickest path to the field anywhere he goes is likely right here, and he'd get to play a lot of, against a lot of good competition. Well, if that's going to happen, it's got to happen today. Um based on the ad drop deadline for, for getting into classes, unless there's, you know, some kind of extra provision and they can make something happen that way. So we'll see. That's certainly a name to keep an eye on. We'll continue to keep a name, keep an eye on any other potential transfers in or out of Tennessee's program, Tennessee starting some of their all season stuff uh, and, and conditioning and, um, you know, looking, looking into, to, you know, getting started with that and figuring out what's going on with that. So, we're going to keep a close tab on all of those things. And then obviously the focal point for everybody at this point in time is, um, is Danny White and, and what he can find uh, with, with the football coaches search and, and what a coach might look like or who it might be. We'll continue to track that down as well. Tonight, the Tennessee basketball team takes on Mississippi State. Rob Lewis, the Tennessee basketball team, um, is just flat out struggling right now. I don't know another word to put around it. I know they're not healthy. But they have got to clean some things up in short order if they're going to be going to win tonight against Mississippi State. That that is a team that does not look very good on the basketball court right now. No, I mean it was a brutal week when you talk about losing by twenty six on the road to Florida, coming back home losing by nine to a Missouri team that you beat by twenty just you know a little over three weeks ago. Um, and you know I don't know what all the issues are right now. I don't think Tennessee's getting great guard play. I think that is affecting, you know, how effective Fulkerson has been. I mean, I, you know, some of that's on John, I believe. And, but I think the, the guards aren't making it easy on him. Certainly not having Springer <clears throat> is an issue. But, you know, he's not going to – he's not going to be worth 27 points at Florida by himself. I mean, that doesn't explain that meltdown. I do think they really missed him against Missouri. Rebounding is a big, big problem since in SEC games only, Tennessee's next to last in the league ahead of only Georgia on the glass. I think that's something we all thought might be a problem in the preseason. It's worked out that way. Um, the turnovers last week, I'm going to I'm going to call that one an anomaly. 36 turnovers in, in two games. You know, when Tennessee went to Florida, they were averaging like 9.8 per game. They almost doubled that in those two losses. I, I can see that getting cleaned up. The rebounding. I think I think that's a concern all year long, and offensively, however, it's just it's just not it's hard to watch right now. Yeah, it's got no rhythm, it's got no flow to it. So the question I get from everybody is this: Is this team was this team just overrated? And, and this is kind of there, there's a book on them, and this is sort of who they are. And you know, it's not pretty. They got to fight and claw their way, or this team's just got a little bit of a funk going on right now, or this team lacks leadership, or it's all about injury. You know, what, what is it from a team that looked like an unbelievably great defensive team in, in December and to start SEC play to a team that's having a hard time stopping people, on getting stops on defense, and offensively, as you mentioned, just hard to watch right now? Yeah, I don't think they were overrated from the preseason when they came in around 12 or 15. Now, by the time they were number six last week, I, I think you got to say now they, they were overrated. But – um. To me, it's it's chemistry. I mean, on court chemistry, not off court. I mean, I think you know, I don't think there's a problem there. I don't want to say that at all. I just think it's guys not used to playing together, not gelling, like you'd see, and just they don't really know how to win. I mean, two big examples of that in, in the Alabama game, they 
they and in the Missouri game, both those games, they cut it to eight. They cut what had been a big a double digit lead down to eight with six to eight minutes left in the game. Plenty of time to, you know, string together some stops, make it, you know, make it a, a four point game, a three point game. And they, and they couldn't do it both times in both sequences. They allowed the opposing team to immediately get it back to double digits. The way they the way they've come out of the halftime locker room against Missouri, against Florida, Florida, they're down 11 at the half. I mean, that's that's not insurmountable. You come out, you win those first four minutes decisively. You're right back in that game. Didn't come close to making it happen against Missouri. You're only down six at halftime. Come come out, play the first four minutes strong. You, you know, you, you might tie it up or even take the lead. They, they don't come close to doing that. I just, I, I think when you don't have really good veteran guards in college basketball, I, I think it's it, it makes it tough on you. And I think, you know, Santiago and, and Josiah both played a lot of basketball last year, but I still wouldn't call them veterans. And, you know, Tennessee has a couple of seniors, but they're not the primary ball handlers. And I think it's a big difference when you're when your veterans are in the post as opposed to when your veterans are in the backcourt. I think, I, think it's, I think it's hurting Tennessee right now. I think what's hurting them too is the fact, Rob, that they don't have their veterans to me are not assertive enough. Like they don't have an alpha in the in in their veteran. Agreed. Yeah, I mean they just don't know. They just don't. I mean they need they need somebody, whether it's freshman or not, to become a veteran and 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 in a hurry as far as when it comes to being an alpha and a leader. I mean, like I I really thought you know you brought up you know a few games ago like last year and and kind of how you know the the game at Georgia for Fulkerson kind of was the first catalyst that led to that late season run for him from him. I thought we might see that. We've not. No, have not. And, and, and again, I think some of Fulke's problems are a result of not getting a lot of help from the guards. But uh, you, your seniors have to play like seniors. They've got, they've got to lead the way. They've got to show the way. And, you know, Eve had a nice game the other night, but, you know, Fulke was off. And two of Tennessee's losses to Alabama and Missouri, Fulke has had seven points in each of those games. He can't, he can't no-show in this team – you know, beat good teams. He didn't, he didn't have to get 20, but he can't no-show. He's got to be a factor. And both those guys, Pons and Fulkerson, really need to really need to be better rebounders. And he's got to stay out of – I mean, Fulkerson's got to stay out of foul trouble. You know, he, he can't he can't go to the bench and sit in the first half for 10, 11 minutes, 12 minutes or whatever with, with two fouls. And uh, Pons, to me, is the guy who needs to – he just needs to score more. I mean, he needs to look to score more besides a jump shot. I mean, I know he made a couple threes and – you know, scored pretty well against Missouri. He's got to play in the paint to me and, and and create create opportunities at the free throw line. And he's just got to be more assertive. I, I just think that it, it just watching them to me offensively, it just looks like everything's really, really hard. I know they've turned it over some, but it just, I mean, I guess they've got, I mean, I know they've gotten some open looks, Rob, but it just, they don't get, they don't get easy stuff. You know what I mean? They, they just don't seem to be able to have, you know, possessions where they get an easy bucket on a, on any kind of semi-regular basis. It's always and, a, and Springer was Springer was a guy that could give them that. I right. mean, he was since SEC play had started, he was he was really showing up as you know getting deep into the paint and just you know flipping nifty passes to wide open guys for dunks and layups. And um, you know, Keon can do that a little bit, but I mean, he, I don't. He's not. It's not as natural as with Springer and Viscovi for all the things he can do well. He's not blowing by anybody and creating a you know, drive, draw, and dish situation. And he's got to stay, he's got to stay on his feet. I mean, he can't leave his feet to, to, and, and jump up in the air and not know where he's going to pass the basketball to. I mean, he just, he gets himself 
so much in so much trouble by leaving his feet so many times. So much. I love the creativity from Vescovi, but no two players, and I know the second one, Hubs is going to agree with me on this. No two players on this team drive me more crazy than Vescovi and then Bailey. Like Bailey's inability to finish at the rim the other night, I I thought just killed Tennessee's chances of trying to come back. But I mean, he is, he is the most hot, cold player I've seen in a long, long time. When he's on, he's great. When he's off, it's bad. And and if he's not hitting shots, he's not bringing a lot to the table. Nope. At all. I mean, He's and and there's no reason for him to not be a really good defender with with his athleticism, with his quickness, the way he's able to move side to side. I think that's something that's driving the head coach a little bit bonkers. You think you think Springer plays? Man, I mean, I just I didn't talk to anybody after practice on Monday, so I, I don't pretend to know. Rick said he looked better on Sunday night, and I mean, he practiced and he was limited, but he was on the practice floor on Thursday and Friday, and they didn't decide until Saturday afternoon that he wasn't going to play. That makes me think he'll, he'll kind of be able to go. And, and man, I I kind of thought that Rick's praise of Viscovi getting through an injury the other day was kind of a little a little pointed message to his freshman. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, too. He mentioned that on Vol Calls Monday night, too, about well, – He mentioned you know, it in his Monday press conference you know, as well. About how Al Viscovi probably didn't need to play, but he wanted to do whatever he could to help and kind of gutted it out and that type of thing. So, we'll see what this team looks like against a, a Mississippi State team that's got that's big in the post, Rob. They block some shots pretty good in the backcourt after just getting taken to the woodshed by the Missouri backcourt. This is no easy challenge for Tennessee. No, big size. I mean, Mississippi, I just mentioned earlier, Tennessee's next to last in rebounding in SEC play. Mississippi State's first. That's going to be something to watch. They're 6'10", 6'11", on the front line. And the backcourt, I, I probably need to look it up, but I think they may have the highest court, scoring backcourt duo in, in the league with Stewart and um, – oh, shoot, I can't remember the kids. Um, Molina. Iverson Molina. Stewart's averaging 18. Molina's averaging 17. And as you mentioned, Tennessee just had its hands full with a couple of good guards on Saturday. So we'll see how the volunteers handle themselves on the hardwood. We'll see where Tennessee's at on the uh, in the airways looking for a football coach. We'll continue to track all that and talk to you about it on the General's Quarters. That's going to do it for this edition of the Blue Water Climate Control BallQuest.com podcast. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.